Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Hello. How are you doing? Hey. This is Scratch this. No, that's not appropriate. This is the that's not the best. This is the best of frantic times. Right. Right after this, it's now going to be the best of frantic times. Excellent. Thank you. I'm Peter Wildman. And I'm Paul Chatto. And we're two of the frantics, and uh, we're going to play you some of uh, the material from our 1980s radio series that uh, went over well. That was called Frantic Times. That's why this is called The Best of Frantic Times. So let us begin with one of our better characters. Her name was Mrs. Sarnicki, and uh, she's testing soap. Mrs. Sarnicki doesn't know it. But one of these two face soaps is new refresh. How does this first soap feel, Mrs. Sarnicki? Awful. It's like I've been dragged over hot tar by foreigners. <laughs> well, now try this soap. Oh, it's as soft as if soft had been made 47 times softer by law. It's new refresh. The soft soap. Oh, you speak voodoo. My face is distorted with total stupefaction. So how does Refresh make you feel? It's so creamy you could lubricate heavy earth-moving equipment with it. Really? No guff. So you're sold on Refresh. I'll change my only daughter's name to Louise as a tribute to this product. Millions of housewives agree. Refresh soap. It's softer than soft. It blows your nylons off. It's the Duncan Mike, Ted, and Jeff report with Mike Duncan, Duncan Michaels, Ted Jeff, and Jeff Oswald. I'm Duncan Michaels in Ottawa. And I'm Mike Duncan in Ottawa. And I'm Ted Jeff in Ottawa. And I'm Jeff Oswald with the Duncan Mike, Ted, and Jeff report. Today's topic is street signs, Ted. Well, Duncan, it seems to me street signs are everywhere, right, Jeff? No, Ted, I disagree. Street signs are not on mountaintops or in bathtubs. Mr. Duncan will back me up, right, Mike? To be frank, Jeff, I don't have all the facts. Certainly, I've never seen a street sign on a mountaintop. Duncan? Yes, Mike? Sorry to interrupt, Duncan, but that's irrelevant, Mike. We're getting way off topic here, Ted. Jeff's right, Ted. If I can interrupt, Duncan Michaels? Sure, Mike Duncan. What Ted Jeff is saying is what Jeff Oswald means. Can I interrupt here, Mike? No, Ted, but Jeff can. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) Street signs are not everywhere. They're not on Ted Jeff here. Well, Jeff, what's your definition of street signs? And what's your definition of Ted Jeff, Jeff? Duncan? Thanks, Mike. I think we have to agree to disagree, Jeff. Street signs aren't everywhere. Yes, I disagree, Duncan. Ted? Can Mike interrupt here, Jeff? Thanks, Ted. I think Ted is entitled to Ted's opinion, and Jeff is entitled to Duncan's opinion, and Duncan is entitled to Ted Jeff's disagreement with Mike Duncan. Yes, I disagree, Mike. Street signs aren't everywhere. I'm Duncan Michaels in Ottawa. And I'm Mike Duncan in Ottawa. And I'm Ted Jeff in Ottawa. And I'm Jeff Oswald. This has been the Duncan, Mike, Ted, and Jeff Report. Next week... How big are hats? Good night. Hi, this is Dan Reddick. People often ask me, whatever happened to the frantics? Then I clean their window with my spit and hold out my hand for a tip. This is the best of frantic times. And now medical advice is dispensed rather freely by Dr. Dornhofer. So you ruined your body and you come crawling to me for a quick fix. Well, that's what I'm here for. Nurse Splatter, read the first letter. Yes, doctor. And while you're reading, I'll give you a complete physical. Again, doctor? Why not? You're naked anyway. Oh. Our first 
This letter is from a woman in Winnipeg. Cough, please. <laughs> Dear Dr. Dornhofer. Again? Dear Dr. Dornhofer. Once more, please. Dear Dr. Dornhofer. <laughs> I am five foot seven inches tall, and yet I weigh more than 140 pounds. In fact, I weigh 90 pounds more than 140 pounds. Squeeze this, nurse. Oh, I have tried... <laughs> I have tried dieting, taking prescriptions, and going to weight loss clinics. I have a rash like that. Well, yet nothing helps. My husband says he doesn't find me sexy anymore. What can I do? Right, nurse, you can get dressed. <laughs> Signed, Desperate and Fat in Winnipeg. I see. Well, maybe you're overeating, Mrs. Desperate and Fat in Winnipeg, because you're embarrassed about your funny name. No, seriously, ma'am. You put yourself down about your weight, but it might not be your fault. Perhaps it's a medical condition and has nothing at all to do with the large amounts of food you constantly cram in your pudgy face. <laughs> if you have a slow metabolism, your body will have trouble processing enough food for a regiment of Marines. Some people have naturally large bones so that when they consume great stacks of starchy garbage, they appear overweight. Clothing and accessories can make you appear larger than you are. Try getting your tents and tarpaulins with vertical stripes. Have you been exercising? Try tighter bottle caps so you really have to work up a sweat before you can pour half a gallon of oily ketchup all over the stack of lardy french fries you wolf down at breakfast. A slight change in diet may help. Eliminate starch from your menu, even if it means Canada has 10,000 tons of excess wheat this year. But, but, but check with a doctor first. Get into a dump truck and drive around till you, till you find a medical man with a barn door in his office and he'll tell you it's not your fault in exchange for lots of your money. But even then, Mrs. Fat and Desperate in Winnipeg, if that really is your name, not everyone can lose weight. Someone has to keep the pill companies afloat. Bye for now. If you have a medical condition you would like to have read out loud in front of millions of people, then why not send it to Dr. Dornhofer, care of the, oh, care of the Frantic Times, CBC Radio Box 500, Station A, Toronto, Ontario. Peter, do you remember uh, how we got our name, The Frantics? Yes, I do. Uh, we couldn't come up with it. We were going to be called the Watertight Torpedo Gang, and and then there was and there was another one, and there was a girl in the troop, and she said, "I don't right. like it. It's too phallic." And, uh, and then she said, "My friend said I can do better than this," and she quit. Yeah. And then we became the Schizofrantics. That's right. And then we went to the Elmo Combo. Upstairs Elmo Combo. That's right. For Rory Gallagher, I, I, think. I think it was. Was and it Rory Gallagher? No, no. Or Point it, Blank. Point Blank. Point Blank. That's right. Point Blank. <laughs> Welding music. That's but right. But first, here's some comedy from four guys. Well, and then the announcer was drunk. And he went on stage and he went, Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to the... The Frantics. And that's the only part that he remembered. And I remember the four of us turning to each other and went, Wait, that's way better. slums of Calcutta. In an overcrowded orphanage, a simple nun named Mother Teresa moves from cot to cot, helping the needy poor in any way she can. Despite the despair, the heartbreak that surrounds her, she pauses only briefly to rest. 
But when she does, Mother Teresa loves to dig into a delicious bowl of Del Mundi chocolate pudding. It's chocolicious flavor cuts right through the stench of humanity every time. It's creamy, smooth, and mm, yummy. Mother Teresa loves it. Del Mundi pudding cups, a good habit to get into. sir, and welcome to Lady Paloma's House of Lingerie. I'm Miss Piper. Can I help you? I, uh, I was interested in buying some, uh, bras and panties in my size. Your size? Uh, yeah, extra large. Well, I guess I should have expected your type in here eventually. Uh, never had an extra large before? No, we've, we've never had a transvestite before. What's that? A man who uh, dresses up in women's clothing? Oh, I'm not a transistorite. <laughs> I really am a woman. Or at least I'm turning into a woman day by day in all sorts of little ways. <laughs> I'm not interested in hearing about it. Uh, what kind of bra would you like? Plaid. No. It's true. I, I used to be a regular macho guy until yesterday. Then I noticed the change. <laughs> we don't have plaid bras and panties. How about corduroy? It all started when I woke up and took a shower. What's wrong with that? I wasn't even dirty. I just wanted to freshen up. Then for some strange reason, I got into the passenger side of the car. Then I was late for work because I drove too slow. And then I locked my keys in the car. I knew for sure I was turning into a woman. You're just a prejudiced slob. That's no way to treat a lady. You're not a woman. I am? Then how come I tidied up my house even though I could still see the floor? I don't have to listen to this. You have any denim? No, of course not. Look, here's a bra and panties in your size, not too expensive. I don't care how much it costs. Put it on my visa. See? I am turning into a woman. I'm not finding this funny. Me either. In fact, I don't get any jokes anymore. Even if people explain them to me. You're a male chauvinist. Just try on the lingerie and get out of here. There's the change room. I hope I remember where I parked the Honda. (laughs) Hey, did I mention I also eat lunch off my lap and I don't make crumbs? Look, mister, I make lots of crumbs. I also have a sense of humor. I drive at the speed limit, never get into accidents, and I change my own spark plugs. Maybe you're turning into a man. Ready. So, how do the panties feel, miss? Oh, they're a little loose. Well, maybe we should adjust them. Right here. Oh. Perhaps here. Better? Oh, hey, good news for you. I'm turning back into a man again. Um, We're coming up to uh, Deprogramming Mother. Right, which is a very interesting sketch because I I wrote it about my Hungarian mother. Do they still deprogram people? I think so. Yes, I think it's very popular. It's kind. I of met like, your mother once. She was very nice. She was very nice. So it's a Hungarian mother, and uh, she was a typical card-carrying mother. And uh, you know, this was a sketch based on the notion that she needed to be deprogrammed. Now, what was f- deprogrammed? Now, what was funny was after we played that sketch, every single one of the frantics got in trouble by their mothers because they thought each of us wrote it for our own mothers. It wouldn't have been mine. No? No, my mother never listened to. (laughs) For good reason. You were (laughs) terrible. Well, there you go.
<laughs> but you're great now, Peter. Oh, okay, fine. Jack, let's go into the kitchen and untie Mom. Oh, no way. The deprogrammer said to keep her tied up until he gets here. I don't like it. Why can't we just let her be her? Oh, do you want her to stay brainwashed? Our mom, a mindless automaton? Spewing forth slogans of doom that she neither means or understands. Oh, how did it happen to our mother? How could she join a cult like the mummies? Who knows? <laughs> Jack Tyler. Yes, and, and you're the deep programmer. Where is she? T tied up in the kitchen, just like you ordered. Is, is all this necessary? Yes. I'm going into the kitchen. Now, no matter what you hear, don't interfere. You won't hurt her, will you? I'll do what I have to. Hello. Don't wear your boots in the house. You're tracking in germs. Wash your hands when you come in from public places. Why you insist on wearing wrinkly jeans instead of some nice grey flannels is beyond Mrs. me. Mrs. Tyler. Don't step on rusty nails. Wear a sweater. Mrs. Tyler, you aren't making any sense. Don't raise your voice. Get a haircut. You've got in with a bad element. No, Mrs. Tyler. You have gotten in with a bad element. How long have you been in the mommies? I don't know what you're talking about. Don't You slouch. know what I'm talking about. You're wearing the mommy's garb, the flannelette robe, curlers, fluffy slippers. Don't have an accident. The streets are safe. Mrs. Tyler, I'm going to have to gag you. Gag me? Where are your manners? Were you raised in a barn? Do you have enough Kleenex? Shut up, Mrs. Tyler. <laughs> Don't you gag me with a good dish towel. Use the old one. Mrs. Tyler. I've read in family circle that germs are spread from other... Now you'll have to listen to me. I'm going to do your dishes, Mrs. Tyler. I think I'll use a different detergent from the one you use. And I'll let the dishes drip dry. No. No, maybe you're right. I will dry them with a bath towel. Oh, I dropped a breadcrumb. I think I'll just leave it. There are no ants in your house, Mrs. Tyler. No, not yet, Mrs. Tyler. I'm thirsty. What's to drink? I'll leave the fridge door open as I pour out a glass of milk. And I'll put the milk back in the fridge and kick the door closed. You're going to scuff the floor if you jump around like that. Oh, look, Mrs. Tyler. I can lean back on the chair and it doesn't break. My glass is right on the edge of the table. Next to my elbow. I can reach past it and look, it's not knocked over. I can manage without you, can't I? Let's remove that dish towel. You're right. It's only a glass of milk. And how old am I? Ten? No, uh, twenty-five. Forty-five. <laughs> Almost grown up. All grown up. <laughs> there, now you're untied. Oh, dear. What have I become? Don't worry, Mrs. Tyler. The mommy's just played on your natural insecurities. It happens to millions of women. They grow up scared. They hide behind meaningless catchphrases. The important thing is, you're better now. 
Mom, Mother, are, are you okay? Mom? Yes, kids. I, I mean, uh, Jack and Bob. I, I'm going oh. to learn to drive and, and take a night course and, and get out more and do the shopping oh, alone. Oh, you fix and my I... sweater first? Yeah, and is supper ready yet? Oh, I love the chairs, though. Even though Jerry is buried up to his neck in cement in the sidewalk, everyone likes him. Oh, hello, Jerry. Hi, Hank. Off to work? Yeah, that's right, Jerry. Would you like me to leave the paper here for you? Thanks, Hank. Could you open it to page six? Sure. Bye, Jerry. See you later. Bye, Hank. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Sally. New shoes, I see. Yes. You always notice. See what I brought you? Oh, boy, a rain hat. How considerate. Well, I hate to see you getting soggy in the rain. That's really sweet. Bye, Sally. Bye-bye, Jerry. Here's your coffee, Jerry. Is it the way I like it? Sure is. Double-double with a straw. Well, thanks a lot, Bert. No problem. I'll drop by around noon with a bucket, and we can bob for apples. (laughs) Great. Bye, Bert. Thanks. Hey, bye, Jer. You know... Life would be very difficult for me if I didn't have such good friends. Paul! Dan! Rick! What about Peter? Oh, we're fine. What? Hello, I am Dr. Danger. Today, we are going to investigate the most dangerous environment in the whole world. The home. Ah, this house right here seems harmless enough, but let's drop in and see. Come on in, Madge. You're not Madge. Madge, did you know your entire kitchen is alive with hidden perils? Who who are you? What are you doing in my kitchen? I am Dr. Danger. Who? Did you know 70% of all accidents happen in the home? What? For example, your husband could easily bump his head on that dangerous cupboard door. Morning, honey. Oh! That accident could have been prevented with this simple precaution. I think you're sawing the door off. Now it is safe. And this stove is a veritable symphony of danger. Would you risk spilling hot food on your husband's lap like this? hazards in your kitchen? The, uh, uh, knife on the counter? No. The Cuisinart? No, the elephant behind the fridge. Oh, there's no elephant behind the... <laughs> oh, get off me! Bill! Oh. Bill! And look at these Marxist Leninists in your pressure cooker. Get out, you rabble rousers. Make the rich pay, make the rich pay. Right here, in your bread box, you have an enhanced nuclear warhead. What are you going to do? Sign off before it's... Welcome to Ed Wallace Thinks Out Loud. I'm Ed Wallace, and I'm here to get the facts on behavioral psychology. I'll be grilling Dr. Henry Thoreau. Good evening, doctor, or would you program me to say it's not? Good evening, Ed. Thank you very much for allowing me to be on your show tonight. I'd like to start off by saying that behavioral psychology is a pile of hooey. What are all these things you brought with you here? Oh, it's just a little bell I brought along and uh, a box of toffees. Oh, 
I love toffees. Oh, I, I'm sorry. These are my toffees. Typical. You know, many real psychiatrists today argue that behavioral psychology is a mind-numbing series of tricks that only superficially alter the patient's behavior. Mm, I found a chocolate one. You reward certain acts, punish others. You are playing God. Oh, come on. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that exactly. No, yet. of course you wouldn't. You'd point to how successful your work has been. Would you like a good caramel, Ed? Oh, sure. Thanks. Uh, where was I? Behavioral psychology has been successful. Oh, in treating many disturbed and antisocial elements in our society. But at what price freedom? Your supporters point proudly to decreases in violence being among your successes. Another caramel, Ed? Oh, thanks. Mm, I got one of those chocolate ones. <laughs> Behavioral psychology has oh, yeah, been yeah, yeah, successful. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and yet the great author, Anthony Burgess, exposed programming as inhuman. Any more chocolates? Oh, they're mine. Anthony Burgess has called conditioning but which is really weeding out hostility and aggression successfully. Dig in, Ed. Mm. Yet still, one cannot deny that the idea of turning people into mindless robots is short-sighted because behaviorism is successful. Caramel, Ed? Thanks, Doc. That's all the time we have. I hope I haven't been too tough on you, but after all, I'm a fool and you're a genius. (laughs) I wouldn't say that, Ed. You wouldn't? Should I? Certainly. Here, have another caramel. Mm. This is Ed Wallace speaking my own mind, saying, any more of those little chocolate ones? Oh, they're good. Coming up next is one of my favorite bits. We always say that about pretty much everything. Well, I know. But that's because I'm a whore. Very good. Okay, moving on. (laughs) This next sketch is called My Lovely, Lovely Body. By Dan. By Dan, bless him. Do you think it was autobiographical? Do you um, think- I, I'm not going there. Uh-oh. I'm not going there. Uh, it's possible. Um, we had our 30th anniversary show, um, well, it would have been back in uh, 09. Probably. Maybe 09. And uh, we put on a special show. We shot it. It was video. It was recorded. And this was a monologue that Dan did there. And uh, it, it goes down as, I think, what some of his finest work. This is my lovely, lovely body. I used to hate my body. I used to feel fat and unattractive. But lately, I I have grown to love my body, to view my body as a truly beautiful thing, because I have come to accept it's the only body I'll ever be in. I stand before a mirror and admire my face, my beautiful, beautiful face, with its delicate feathering of creases around my eyes, furrows in my forehead, and and that wonderful ape-like line across the bridge of my nose. Each pockmark tells the story of another burst pimple from my youth. I gaze at my gorgeous, bloated face with its wiry hair springing from my ears and nose. And between my brows... I look at my nose, my reddened drunkard's nose, with its roadmap of veins, my sunken eyes with their vermilion rims, and my multiple sagging chins, and I think to myself, here, here is true man beauty. Then, my gaze wanders down. Down to my torso, my beautiful, beautiful torso. 
My chest soft and welcoming. My delicately sloping shoulders. Tufts of overlong underarm hair. My pendulous man breasts. Which sway and bob and cast shade upon the gut bulge below. I follow my chest pubes to my pink nurturing nipples. My gaze wanders down, down to my lovely belly, bloated and hairy, rippling as if a summer breeze was playing across a large bulging pond. It bobbles and sways like one of the many gelatinous dessert treats that fill it. I look down into the endless mysteries of my belly button, the skin's vortex, which raises the profound question, how can something so deep, yet so empty, produce such dreadful smells? My gaze drops further. Past the mysterious white uncharted area that hides from sight beneath my belly sag to my lovely manly pudendum. My penis lying coyly at rest like a shaved tubercular blind vole. Its distended veins and mottled skin belying a life of inattention and abuse. Then my gaze travels down to my scrumptious seed sack. Here, suit drooping and lopsided, its beautiful chicken skin the color of a five-day drowned sailor. Finally, my knobbled skinny legs, which support my crumpled ass, looking both deflated and defeated, insubstantial, yet still sagging. Yes, I love this body of mine, because it's the only body I'll ever be in. Every woman I have ever met has made that abundantly clear. <laughs> Okay, well, give me a, I need a bed track. Peter, I need a bed track. Okay, so this is uh, the last piece of the uh, evening, ladies and gentlemen, if this happens to be the last uh, bit that you're uh, binge listening to. Uh, Rick uh, has, an, um, has a degree in physics, and he wrote this song called Einstein's Song. You know, this, this great country of ours wasn't always the way it is today. At one point, there was nothing more than trees and wildlife and waterfalls. But we fixed it. <laughs> you see, settlers came seeking a new life. But you know, of all the men and women and children who crossed the ocean to this great land of ours, there's one man who stands head and shoulders above them all. My hero. I'd like to sing about him. Physics was a lawless land in the 19th century. 
Now physicists from every land each had their own theory. It would take a real tough hombre to tame this troubled time. Then into town there rode a man named Albert Einstein. He told you his thoughts, and they hit you like shots. And he didn't wear socks. Hey, bad owl. Hey, bad owl. Yes, Einstein was a genius, a thinker all men feared. And physicists would tremble whenever he appeared. Well, he took on relativity, a challenge no man dared. And he wrote a silver stallion named E equals MC squared. He had to fight, cause the theory was right. On the nature of a light. A big bad owl. A big bad owl. A big bad owl. Bunch of biologists. <laughs> now Einstein claimed that space was curved and mass could make light bend. Well, Max Planck tried to prove Al wrong and it proved to be Planck's end. Schrodinger was next to try, but Einstein thought faster. Heisenberg was uncertain and fell before the master. So Niels Bohr took on Einstein at high noon, face to face. And both went for a theory relating time and space. A shot rang out, a body fell, a bullet through the spine. And the man who stood won a Nobel Prize, Albert Einstein. When you choose a life in physics, will you choose a lonely road? And the men who fight with atoms must bear a heavy load. From Schrodinger and Heisenberg to Geiger, Gauss, and Bohr, was the name of Albert Einstein, the name that all men swore. He was the best in the Wild West, and his hair was a mess. A big bad owl, a big bad owl. Best of Frantic Times with the Frantics. All right. Dan Bredekam, Paul Chattel, Rick Green, and One, me, two, Peter Wildman. Peter Wildman. With special uh, guests, Meg Ruffman, Meg Maggie Ruffman. Butterfield, Ooh. and Carolyn Scott. Yeah, right. Sound effects and production were originally done by CBC Radio. His name was Dave Milligan. She was Kathy Perry. Follow us on Facebook. Go to thefrantics.com. Drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. This was produced by Derek Wellsman. Yeah, Boom. no hooligans. Boot to the head. Boot.